0: really proud of our Rural Microtransit Initiative that we applied for and received funding for two rural microtransit projects. In both cases, we worked with them to develop a concept of converting or supplementing some of their existing fixed route or deviated fixed route service with microtransit. It's been so successful now. We're looking at, at how we can do some statewide contracting to help support more implementation by other transit agencies.
1: This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged in-depth this week with Jennifer DeBruhl, who is director of the Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation. Jennifer, thank you so much for being with us today on the podcast.
0: Oh, it's great to be here.
1: Let's just jump right in. Tell us about your department. What do you all do?
0: So the Department of Rail and Public Transportation here in Virginia, we're a standalone state agency that is focused on transit and rail, uh, reporting to the Secretary uh, of Transportation and with a director appointed by the governor. So we have, you know, an equivalent stature to the highway agency, the Department of Aviation, the ports and the other modal agencies within transportation here in Virginia.
1: Sounds very similar to Maryland, where I came from.
0: Similar in in many ways to Maryland. Um, our program here, DRPT, we have about a billion dollar budget for fiscal year 23. Uh, The majority of that is on the transit side uh, in terms of state funding for capital and operating that we provide to 40 transit agencies and also provide a significant amount of support for WMATA. Uh, We do statewide rail planning. We have uh, some freight rail programs that we fund um, improvements on the freight rail side. And then um, I also have the pleasure of serving as the Uh, chair of the Virginia Passenger Rail Authority Board, which is overseeing uh, Virginia's passenger rail investments and the implementation of a a major program of projects, which is going to expand passenger rail in Virginia exponentially, including the construction of a brand new long bridge between Virginia and the District of Columbia.
1: So your department itself, you sound like you do a lot of funding and regulation and oversight and planning, but you also have some direct operations, right?
0: We do. We have, um, through the FTA fifty three eleven F intercity bus program. We have a very robust intercity bus uh, initiative here. We call it the Virginia Breeze, and that is uh, overseen directly and managed directly by uh, by DRPT with a contracted operator. We run four lines with daily service uh, through the central and western parts of the Commonwealth.
1: That's awesome. And then, uh, how are you doing generally? Would you say not only with the breeze, but your other services that you fund, um, you know, pandemic recovery ridership-wise? Here we sit, uh, you know, at the end of September.
0: So ridership, I'll tell you, the last couple of years have been very challenging. And uh, I'm excited that, you know, we've put a lot of emphasis here in Virginia on, you know, rebuilding the confidence of the public in our systems coming out of a pandemic. Uh, we've seen our ridership on the, we'll start with Virginia Breeze. Uh, the ridership on the Virginia Breeze is back at above pre-pandemic levels. So oh, Really? That,
1: wow, that's awesome.
0: Yes. And so we we really actively manage that system and we're able to add additional buses and runs to days where we have demand. And so we are seeing demand that exceeds those, you know, one motor coach run in certain directions and peak, on peak travel times. Uh, So that is very promising. Our Amtrak ridership is above pre-pandemic levels as well uh, for our inner city um, service that that runs here through the Commonwealth and up into the Northeast Corridor. Um, On the transit agency side, uh, statewide, if you pull out WMATA and you pull out the Virginia Railway Express, uh, the other transit systems in the the state, we have several that are above pre-pandemic levels and Um, Just generally speaking, we're we're probably 75 percent of pre-pandemic. If you just look at those groups statewide, and we are seeing rebounds now in WMATA and BRE, although those commuter-based operations in Northern Virginia seem to be the ones that are coming back the slowest.
1: Yeah, I'm hearing from people like in cities like New York. Washington, D.C., others, San Francisco that, um, no, not so much San Francisco because they're still really having real low ridership in many areas, but that it's turning into a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday city. Uh,
0: Are you hearing any or feeling that from your ridership? Uh, We we are definitely hearing that. We get ridership data from all of the transit systems in the Commonwealth uh, submitted to us on a monthly basis. We share those on an open data portal that's available to the public because we allocate allocate a lot of our funding based on performance. So those okay. ridership stats are, are um, really important to us and how we actively manage our program. Um, so we're monitoring that all the time. And I think that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is definitely a reality. I think the other thing that we see is, you know, the traditional peak period of I, I get on the bus at eight, you know, to, to get to the office at 8 a.m. And then I, right. Get back on the bus to come home after five o'clock. Those more traditional work hours seem to have faded away as well, and so you see um, commuters that are looking for more flexibility. They're looking for more midday service, and instead of you know a more frequency in the peak periods, you know the, the systems that seem to be spreading that commuter-based operation out over the course of the day, so that somebody could go into the office say to be there for a ten o'clock meeting and maybe come home mid-afternoon and be there in time to get their kids off the bus seems to be more of the norm than what we've seen in the past. So definitely some different commuting patterns, but yes, I would say a Friday a.m. commute would probably be the lightest thing that we see these days, but the Friday evening, uh, definitely more ridership when people are ready to get out and get get to, you know, destinations. So definitely have to look at, at more than just how people travel to get to work—it's how do they travel to get to other destinations uh, as well.
1: That's interesting, yeah. And and uh, so you, you provide funding through a lot of these agencies. Are you the funnel through which the federal formula funds flow to your Commonwealths? You know, smaller transit agencies.
0: Yes. So all of the the rural and the human service, uh, the 5311, 5310 Um, all comes to us to coordinate with those um, smaller agencies.
1: I got you. That's that's interesting. And then um, what's your involvement with WMATA, Washington Metro? We just had Suhair Al-Khatib on this week, who is a safety commissioner for uh, WMATA from Maryland. Um, What's your interaction with them?
0: So the current WMATA board chair, Paul Medberg, was appointed by the previous secretary of transportation here in Virginia. So he is the Commonwealth appointee to serve on the WMATA board. Um, the Commonwealth does provide, so we support Paul um, and we we work with Paul and have a great relationship with Paul. Um, we do provide a significant amount of funding that goes, some of which goes directly to WMATA for um, dedicated capital, focusing on state of good repair projects. It was part of a, a, hundred, a $500 million package that was passed back in 2018. I remember that, um, yeah. <laughs> remember that one. So we, yep. we have $154 million a year that goes into that. Uh, we spend send about 200 million a year to the Northern Virginia Transportation Commission to help offset the subsidies for the Northern Virginia funding jurisdictions of WMATA, so Fairfax County, Loudoun, and others. And then we provide a 50 million dollar um, match towards the 150 million dollars in PRIA that WMATA gets every year. So it's about 400, a little over 400 million a year that goes to WMATA. Um, so we're engaged uh, with them on a, on a variety of things, not just funding, but we're, you know, we're involved in uh, studies that they're working on, like the Blue-Orange-Silver Capacity Study, the Bus Transformation Project. Uh, so we work with them on a technical side as well, uh, again, looking out for the interests of the Commonwealth.
1: That's good. Yeah, Randy Clark, I think, is, is, uh, is at, least el- at least elbow deep now in all, <laughs> in all the work there as CEO.
0: He is met. We met with him a couple of weeks ago, along with the secretary, and uh, just really excited for uh, to have Randy on board, and uh, look forward to working with him into the future.
1: Yeah, he's a great guy. A really good. Um, good win for the region having him up here. Tell us some about what's happening with passenger rail right now. I know you are involved in the Virginia statewide rail plan, but you're you're deeply involved in the rail programs of the region.
0: Yeah, so we're. I'll start with the rail plan. Uh, we have a. Federal Railroad Administration requirement to do a a rail plan periodically. We're in that cycle right now. So we're uh, working on an update to our statewide rail plan. Uh, That rail plan becomes a springboard to a lot of things. Uh, In the past, we've put a lot of effort into that rail plan to really look strategically at expanding passenger rail in the Commonwealth, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, But this particular rail plan, since that uh, passenger rail program has really matured, is is focused more on being much more strategic in our investments and our plans for freight rail and how we can support the Port of Virginia in terms of economic competitiveness and business growth in the Commonwealth. Uh, So that plan we're wrapping up and hope to get finished by the end of the year. Um, On going back to passenger rail, back in 2019, uh, then Governor Northam, a big announcement of a landmark uh, agreement with CSX. The Commonwealth acquired a significant amount of rail right-of-way in the I-95 corridor, um, along with some other um, elements of rail in the Commonwealth and an agreement for uh, the Commonwealth to construct a a parallel passenger uh, rail only long bridge crossing the Potomac from Virginia into Maryland, really unlocking that capacity constraint uh, that the long bridge has been for quite some time. Uh, So that announcement in 2019 kicked off a number of uh, legislative activities, and uh, development of a, a, a full complement of projects that we refer to as transforming rail in Virginia. Um, so following that, in 2020, the Virginia legislature established the Virginia Passenger Rail Authority, which uh, was, was birthed out of the Department of Rail and Public Transportation uh, to be a, an independent authority to own those assets, to take care of them, to implement the vision of transforming rail in Virginia and to deliver that big capital program, and then to be the, the ar- operating arm of the, of the rail, passenger rail service itself in the Commonwealth. So we spent the last couple of years getting uh, the, the passenger rail authority stood up, um, very robust um, program of projects, about $4 billion worth of capital work. Uh, not only in the I-95 corridor with Longbridge, but in um, you know the addition of third and fourth track focused on passenger service, station improvements, sidings all the way down here to Richmond. Uh, we also acquired the S-Line between Petersburg and North Carolina, which then will serve as we work to cooperatively develop that piece of rail right-of-way with North Carolina DOT that unlocks... Um, More access for North Carolina coming out of Raleigh and Charlotte into the Northeast Corridor. Along with those projects, we also have an expansion of rail from Roanoke out in in the I-81 corridor in western Virginia over to the New River Valley, which extends passenger rail service back into uh, Blacksburg-Christiansburg, where Virginia Tech is. Um, Really excited about that whole program of projects uh, that's underway. Um, And so VPRA takes the lead on those. We're continuing to look at further expansion of passenger rail beyond even those projects in Virginia. Um, Here as as part of our planning efforts at DRPT, we're working on potential extension of that new River Valley uh, run on down through Bristol into Tennessee. Uh, We're working with Tennessee DOT on potential connections either into Knoxville or or Knoxville-Chattanooga or over towards Nashville. Uh, having those conversations, and we've done at least a preliminary study about an east-west connection, um, which would connect Hampton Roads to Roanoke and give us some more uh, rail connections across the Commonwealth. Right now, everything kind of goes up to D.C., uh, so there's not a good cross-Commonwealth corridor. So, we have a, a good complement of projects that are in the implementation pipeline, and I would say an equally good complement of projects that will be kind of the next phase as we, we get that, that first big tranche of projects
1: yeah, that's very exciting to hear all the new rail. I mean, that's not happening in a lot of places. So, congratulations!
0: Yeah, very exciting. We we um, we take the take the wins and celebrate them as they come. This summer, we launched a, a second daily uh, daily trip from Roanoke, and that okay. that um, has done extraordinarily well. And the third daily trip coming out of Norfolk and Hampton Roads, and we have seen some of the. Not only are we back above fan pre-pandemic ridership on the Virginia Amtrak runs. Uh, but we've had some of our, um, well, check my stats real quick, but we've had just this week, some of the highest numbers we've ever seen on passenger rail here in the Commonwealth. Um, uh, our August ridership set a new record for wow. ridership um, and it was 23% higher than the previous um, August record, which was August of 2019.
1: So- Breaking news um, right here today. Break, That's amazing.
0: Breaking news- the name?
1: What's the name of the rail service when you say, Yeah, it, that that's, it's,
0: it's all Amtrak. So okay. our partner Amtrak's our partner, but, uh, but these are Virginia sponsored state sponsored and state funded
1: like inner city that, routes,
0: inner city. So okay. you get on the train here, in Richmond or in Norfolk, those routes are going to leave Virginia going across the long bridge into the district. And then they join the Northeast corridor and they go to New York, they go to oh, Boston, yes.
1: Would they have to get off at Union Station and get on another train, perhaps?
0: No. So they okay. go through. Um, they there's a you know there's a delay at Union Station to switch locomotive from okay. diesel coming out of Virginia to electric. Ultimately, we're we're looking at a dual mode locomotive so that we'll we'll eliminate that dwell time or reduce that dwell time in DC. Um, so the next round of uh, uh, capital upgrades for Amtrak will um, hopefully make that better for all of us, but.
1: I know when I was at MTA in Baltimore, we ran the Mark train service, which was commuter trains under contract with Bombardier and Amtrak, and they would all go into Union Station. And uh, I had a lot of connection with uh, Virginia Railway Express, but I don't remember if we actually, if you could actually connect. And you know, like I don't think we could back then. Has has anything happened along those lines?
0: Um, No, I mean, so if you take Virginia Railway Express out of Virginia, you're going to go to to DC, and that's going to be your terminal point. The same with Mark, um, you know, coming. From Maryland to, to Union Station, uh, the Long Bridge does unlock capacity that doesn't exist today for potential run through service. There have been a number of studies done of potential run through service, and um, so as we as we kind of get down the road, get get Long Bridge constructed, I mean certainly that's something that uh, is would not have previously been able to happen yeah. that will become the uh, p- potential. When okay. we when we get Long Bridge completed in twenty thirty.
1: Is there a date when we're looking at getting the Long Bridge complete?
0: Twenty thirty.
1: Twenty thirty, okay. Very good.
0: We hope you're enjoying this episode of Transit Unplugged, the podcast. How would you like to see behind the scenes footage of the agencies that Paul visits? Then be sure to check out the new Transit Unplugged TV on YouTube where transit evangelist Paul Comfort dives into the culture, the food, and the transit of major cities around the world. You'll see the operations control centers, how maintenance shops work, and the latest innovations taking place at agencies around the globe as we work together to improve the lives of our transit riders and our communities. Be sure to subscribe to Transit Unplugged TV on YouTube or at transitunplugged.com.
1: And tell us about some of the innovations you've got going on there. I know that's a that's a, a big thing in your mind is leading those innovations for transit in Virginia.
0: It is, and we I think one of the the big value value propositions we bring to the transit community in Virginia is the ability to, to help drive innovation and to you know help particularly with some of the smaller rural systems help them try some things that you know, and develop some ideas that they may not have had the internal capacity to do. We're really proud of our rural microtransit initiative uh, that we, we applied for um, FTA's M- IMI program and were successful and received funding for two rural microtransit p- projects. One is in um, the far southwest portion of Virginia, uh, of Virginia um, in an area called WISE. It's home to the University of Virginia WISE. And then the other one is in Gloucester County, which is um, over um, near the Chesapeake Bay, again, an, uh, you know, a kind of a rural cusp kind of community. In both cases, we worked with them to develop a concept of converting or supplementing some of their existing fixed route or deviated fixed route service with microtransit. That's These great. have been some incredibly successful pilot projects, not only in terms of making the service more efficient, but better meeting the needs of the community and putting, you know, some of the things that we worried about was access to technology and use of cell phones for people to book trips has not been an issue, even with, um, you know, with elderly populations, even with, you know, areas that may not have as, as great access to cell service. Both of those pilots have been. Uh, very cost effective because both transit agencies use vehicles and operators that they already had on staff. And really what we did and what we brought in um, to w- work with them is some service design and uh, contracting for the technology. It's been so successful now. We're looking at, at how we can do some statewide contracting to help support more implementation uh, by other transit agencies. So that's, so that's been, a, been a real good one. And then uh, we have our transportation navigator, which is our statewide one-click center for uh, information on all of Virginia's transit and human service agencies, all in one place, driven by you know GTFS data. That's you know we we basically developed a statewide GTFS platform for everybody, and that information is now in the hands of the public um, through a widget that goes out through our human service agencies. It's on Google Maps. It's on our website. It's on our transit agency partner websites, and that's a that's a program we've won a number of, of technology and innovation awards for. That we're grateful that that was also funded by FTA through a discretionary grant, and they've given us another grant to expand that um, and really try to try to make all of the services that are available in Virginia much more accessible.
1: Yeah. So then people can see exactly where their vehicle is, et cetera. Right. Yeah. That's,
0: wonderful. that's That's the end goal. Yes.
1: Yeah. And on the human service side of transportation, are you involved in that as well?
0: We manage the 5310 program for all of Virginia, except for Northern Virginia, which is done regionally with the council of governments. Uh, so we manage the 5310 program. We do statewide planning for coordinated human service transportation services. And we, we um, lead a state round table with our state agency partners, uh, the, the, the um, health, human service, veterans organizations, we meet with them on a quarterly basis to collaborate on projects.
1: That's great. And how did you end up in this role, Jennifer? Uh, I mean, you're, you spent a lot of time in Virginia agencies, but give us a little bit of the history of how you kind of, the the winding road that led you to this role.
0: Oh, that's a great question, Paul. So I've worked in transportation in Virginia for 30 years. Um, i I started out right out of college and went to work for the Virginia Department of Transportation. Uh, I was in traffic engineering and transportation planning uh, early early on, uh, left VDOT and actually went to work for the USDOT for the Federal Highway Administration here in Richmond and worked for them for, um, for about five years doing planning and some finance and some uh, you know, environmental type work, uh, really kind of started expanding my horizons. Ended up going back to VDOT because I didn't want to move away from Virginia. And uh, I ended up in some cutting-edge programs. It was, you know, developing partnerships with local government. I worked on a lot of trails and train stations and not your typical, um, not your typical highway program stuff. And it was all about partnership. Uh, went from there, ended up being a, a deputy district administrator in the field for Uh, For VDOT for a while, operations, maintenance, engineering, construction, all kinds, overseeing all kinds of things on the highway side, which led me here, ironically, because there's a a lovely uh, BRT project right here in Richmond that's been wildly successful, the Pulse.
1: Yeah, Julie, told me about that.
0: Julie's amazing. Um, So the Pulse BRT project um, had some some timeframes. GRTC had received a TIGER grant. Uh, to construct that project, DRPT had done all of the preliminary work, the NEPA work, the planning and everything. So there was already kind of this regional partnership between the state and GRTC on delivering that project. Um, VDOT has a lot of experience d- doing design build uh, infrastructure projects. And so I uh, got, a, got a phone call and got uh, an opportunity to work on the Pulse BRT project and getting that uh, design build procured and, and getting that um great asset constructed here in Richmond. Um, That interestingly enough led into, uh, there was a vacancy here at DRPT and I ended up coming here um, before, while the Pulse was under construction, I ended up joining DRPT as the chief of public transportation and getting to oversee uh, DRPT's role in bringing that project to fruition. So I, the Pulse really got me to here. um, And then I spent Uh, Six years here as the Chief of Public Transportation, I got to work on The Pulse. I got to work on uh, some WMATA uh, evaluation that we did with Secretary Ray LaHood, former USDOT Secretary Ray LaHood, uh, looking at WMATA, uh, doing some transit capital program redesign here in terms of prioritization and our performance-based methodologies and um, was fully prepared to retire and walk away when Governor Youngkin and Secretary Miller asked me to stay and become the director after Jennifer Mitchell went on to, uh, to the Federal Railroad Administration. So uh, this was not, I, I say this about every step along the way, it was not what I in, had set out to do maybe uh, or intended to do, but I think everything uh, comes together for a reason. And I consider myself truly blessed to be able to lead this organization into the future and I have a wonderful team and great partners around the Commonwealth and uh, just want to want to do uh, do the best I can for all of them every day
1: that's awesome that's awesome Jennifer what a great story and 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 inspirational I think to people about how you can you can maneuver your career uh, if you have your eyes wide open and you're prepared like you probably believe like I do I don't believe in luck per se I think it's you're prepared when opportunity strikes
0: yes and and some of those opportunities there are, there are plenty of people that um, opportunities come up and it may not have been what they had in mind and i think sometimes taking those those pivots or curveballs that are thrown your way and and taking advantage of those when it may be something that is would typically be seen as out of your lane and taking a chance that has paid off well for me through my career and just very proud of what we've been able to accomplish here in Virginia and uh, proud of the work we do here at DRPT.
1: Yeah. You've got your plate full. I mean, there's so many projects going on. I don't know. You keep driving them all. I guess you have to have a good Excel spreadsheet. have
0: huh? a great team, great team here and a great team at the passenger rail authority. So there you
1: go. thanks again, Jennifer, for being our guest today.
0: Thanks Paul. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of transit unplugged in-depth with our special guest, Jennifer DeBruyne, Director of the Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation. Now, next week is a really special episode. Not only is it the start of Season 6 and our 5th anniversary, it is also the 225th episode of Transit Unplugged. So to celebrate, we have none other than Rich Davey, President of New York City Transit at New York MTA The Paul recorded live from the Vontis booth at APTA Transform. We're all really looking forward to this episode. Be sure not to miss it. Do you know how not to miss it? Go to transitunplugged.com and sign up for the newsletter so you always know what's going on with Transit Unplugged, the podcast and the TV show. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us at info at So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.